This is Alex Granado, Senior Reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Today, I am reporting to you from the EWA Annual Meeting in LA, Los Angeles, California, and I'm here on the last day of the event, and I'm sitting down with one of my fellow uh, meeting goers. Uh, his name is Paul Hyde. He's an education writer for the Greenville News in South Carolina. And uh, being as South Carolina is our neighbor to the south, I thought I'd talk to him a little bit about what's going on with education in his state. Paul, thanks for being here with me. Thanks, Alex. It's a pleasure. Um, and so I wanted to start just by talking a little bit about the structure of education in North Carolina versus South Carolina. Um, in North Carolina, we have a superintendent who's elected by the state. We have a state board that is, uh, the, its members are appointed. Um, and then uh, the bulk, of the, the money, most of the money for districts and public education in North Carolina comes from the General Assembly. Uh, it filters down to districts uh, in the form of allotments. So they'll, they'll get an allotment for teachers, an allotment for textbooks, and so on and so forth. And then districts distribute that out to schools. And uh, the districts have some... Uh, financial responsibility of their own. They're mostly responsible for things like uh, capital expenses and that sort of thing. But the bulk of the money comes from the state level. So I was uh, hoping you could just uh, tell people a little bit about uh, how the structure in South Carolina compares. Sure. Well, the structure would be similar to the one in North Carolina. We have a a state superintendent who is elected uh, on a statewide basis. Uh, The um, uh, we also have a state school board that is n- not uh, terribly powerful, actually. The General Assembly in South Carolina holds the purse string, so they're a very important actor in this situation. There is a shared responsibility on the part of local school districts. However, local school districts are still responsible for generating uh, a good portion of the funding uh, for um, for public education, and uh, those, of course, are controlled by locally elected school boards. So it is generally a a shared system, um, with the two primary players in this uh, equation being the districts and the general assembly. Okay, and um, you know, just this week in North Carolina, while I was here at the EWA conference, we had thousands of teachers protesting in Raleigh at the start of our uh, General Assembly short session, uh, there are uh, uh, various demands, including uh, higher teacher pay, they, they wanna get teacher pay up to the national average, but a variety of other things, more resources for schools, um, you know, fixing buildings that are falling apart and, and that sort of thing. But, but teacher pay it has been a big part of the discussion around that. Um, so talk to me a little bit about uh, teacher pay in South Carolina. Is it as uh, powerful a topic as it is here? It's a huge issue. Teacher pay is a huge issue in South Carolina. Uh, In fact, tomorrow, Saturday, there will be a uh, demonstration in Columbia uh, about this issue as well as as other issues uh, that concern teachers, but primarily about this issue. Uh, Teacher pay in South Carolina used to be pegged at the southeastern average. The General Assembly used to take great pride, actually, in making sure that uh, teacher, average teacher pay would stay level with the southeastern average. But in the past few years, we've fallen behind the southeastern average. 
Um, according to figures I looked up recently, uh, our current average teaching salary salary is $48,769. And that's about 2000 less than the southeastern average. May not sound much, but, uh, you know, it, it really makes a difference, I guess, in, in households in South Carolina to be $2,000 behind the southeastern average. That puts us about $10,000, however, behind the national average. And, uh, of course, many people would like to see teacher pay being nationally competitive in South Carolina. So we're far behind there. Um, I, I believe, though, however, we are about $1,000 uh, higher, our average pay, I should say, than the average pay in North Carolina. But in um, Georgia, I think, is about $5,000 a year more than the average pay in South Carolina. So the the um, the situation is one that uh, greatly concerns um, greatly concerns teachers, greatly concerns parents uh, who want to see a world-class system of public education in South Carolina. And to do that, I think it's generally agreed that we need the best talent available. And in a tight economy, you don't attract the best talent without a competitive salary. In fact, we face the further problem of a teacher shortage. Uh, many teachers leaving the profession. Uh, typically in the fall, uh, we have about 500 or so classrooms that begin the year with no teacher in the classroom because some districts, many districts even, have trouble filling those classrooms with teachers and a lot of people point to teacher pay now there are other factors as well many people say such as the amount of paperwork that we require of teachers but i think if you're being honest about the situation there's no doubt that the lack of a competitive pay uh, or competitive wages uh, causes real problems in terms of a teacher shortage and causes uh, many educators to leave what is a very high-stress job for what is generally considered these days to be rather low pay. So we have a lot of the same issues, but I think our teacher pay might have actually edged y'all's out. Um, ah, okay. In the past few years, um, we, we've managed to get up uh, above an average of 50000 And I believe legislative leaders were saying recently that we're going to rise up to an average pay of $53,000. Now, the argument amongst many teachers is, well, that's an average. And, uh, and the raises in the past few years have been um, kind of front-loaded so that uh, newer teachers or teachers earlier in their career get the bulk of the raises while veteran teachers are kind of left out. Um, and that's been a big part of the debate over teacher pay. Um, is there any kind of disparity, uh, any kind of uh, debate about which teachers get which raises in South Carolina? Yes, there is. And I think that our, our situation may be the opposite. Uh, there has been a lot of concern expressed about the, um, the first-year salary that teachers make. Um, last figures I have on that uh, suggest that that salary is $30,113. That's a state base pay. Now, some districts pay above that, but it may turn out to be only one, uh, 31000 32000 something like that. Many people argue, quite rightfully, I think, that that's an insufficient figure 
to uh, lure a young person into education when uh, that person after college is going to be likely carrying a lot of student debt. Uh, So in order to recruit uh, more young people to the teaching profession, there's a lot of discussion about especially improving teacher pay on the lower end in South Carolina. The general argument seems to be that once you're in the profession and after you're in the profession for many years, that your salary becomes uh, certainly a little bit more appealing. The general argument is that salaries across the board need to be raised. Most people seem to agree on that, but that that entry-level salary is particularly important, especially for recruiting new teachers. And that's a a vital concern. As I mentioned, many classrooms in South Carolina start the school year with no teacher. You raised an interesting point that I want to kind of go back to, which is the uh, local supplements. So when I talk about the average salary in North Carolina, that's an average that includes the local supplements that districts give, right? So the the state uh, the state salary schedule actually tops out at about fifty thousand dollars. So uh, it takes local supplements to get us up to that average. Right. Yes, we we have a similar system in South Carolina. Absolutely, um, the better school districts, or I should say, the wealthier school districts, um, are able to pay about. Oh, 15% or, or slightly less, maybe 12% above uh, the state average in pay uh, thanks to a local supplement. But it won't go much above 15%, I think. Uh, state minimums are uh, notoriously low, um, and so the school districts will, um, in general, try to play uh, pay a a local supplement. Now, there are some school districts, we have many school districts in rural areas that actually cannot afford a local supplement. So, whereas in Greenville, in the upstate, uh, the state's largest school district, which is Greenville County Schools, with about 70,000 students, will pay a supplement of about 12%. Many of the school districts in the rural part of the state can only uh, afford the the state minimum as as far as uh, teachers go, so that an entry-level teacher would receive only the state minimum of $30,000. So I want to hit a couple more K-12 topics and then move on to higher education. But um, uh, we were talking before the podcast about charter schools. North Carolina, a few years ago, we used to have a cap on charter schools. We could have at most 100. A few years ago, the cap was lifted, and they've been growing steadily since then. Uh, um, but you were telling me beforehand that you all really only have uh, slightly more than a handful of charter schools in South Carolina. Strangely, the charter school movement in South Carolina seems to still be mostly in its infancy. That's a bit of a surprise because the charter school movement gets a lot of support from uh, legislators especially, but also parents, I think. Uh, So it's a growing movement, Uh, but we don't have that many charter schools yet in South Carolina, somewhere under 20 charter schools. And uh, there are varying accounts about the success of those schools. Um, They have their ardent supporters and their detractors. The record so far 
for this industry that is in its infancy still seems to be mostly positive, mostly positive. Uh, I predict it will continue to grow uh, and flourish in, in the coming years, though. So I probably should have asked this earlier, but um, school choice in North Carolina is heavily supported by uh, Republicans. And um, our General Assembly, both uh, chambers, are controlled by Republicans, though we do have a Democratic governor now. What's the makeup like in uh, South Carolina? Sure. Like most of the South, we're uh, a state that is very red. Uh, Our um, governor, McMaster, is a Republican. Uh, Our state Senate and our state House are both controlled by Republicans. So it's a a very uh, strongly Republican state. And since uh, charter schools is, I guess you might say, a Republican issue, uh, as I say, there is a great deal of support for charter schools in South Carolina. It's almost surprising, as I say, that it still seems to be mostly in its infancy, but it's gaining ground. And I predict, it's an easy prediction to say that the charter school movement will continue to expand in South Carolina in the coming years. So another uh, school choice issue that Republicans in North Carolina are a big proponents of are uh, what they call opportunity scholarships. Other people call them vouchers. But essentially, it's state money given to uh, low-income families to attend private school. Uh, what, what's uh, the situation with that in South Carolina? Strangely enough, since there is a lot of support for vouchers, the voucher movement in South Carolina is, is even more in its infancy than, uh, than the charter school movement. That, again, is surprising. I think probably funding issues may be involved there. I predict because we are a Republican-controlled state that vouchers will become more important in the educational landscape in the near future. But right now, that movement is uh, not very advanced. And so we were talking a little bit uh, before the podcast about higher education, colleges and universities, and you were telling me a little bit about um, some of the the issues you all are having in uh, South Carolina regarding that. Can you touch on that a little bit? Sure. U.S. News and World Report recently ranked South Carolina schools last in the nation, absolute last, number 50 in the nation, in a much-discussed report by U.S. News and World Report. That study looked comprehensively at schooling K through 12 as well as higher education. Uh, the higher education part was criticized, particularly in this study, because of high tuitions. Uh, we have exceptionally high tuitions in South Carolina. We have one of the highest tuition rates which is fine as long as you're a wealthy state. We're not a wealthy state, so high tuition states, excuse me, high tuition generally, um, many people believe, puts higher education out of reach of students from low-income families and maybe even students from from, uh, moderate-income families. So we have a very high tuition rate Recently, we've looked at tuition in light of an interesting statistic, and that is how expensive is tuition as a percentage of household income? Again, we have high tuitions 
and low average income. And when you factor in low income, a low average income in South Carolina, our tuition rate is number one in the nation, the highest in the nation of any other state. Uh, that is not a good place to be, many people argue, for a state that is trying to continue to develop economically to improve its average wage. In order to do that, we need people to be able to attend higher education. We need higher education to be affordable and accessible. And number one in the nation suggests that higher education is not affordable and accessible in South Carolina right now. So there's a lot of discussion going on about that. The situation is very interesting and politically fraught because we have a commission on higher education that blames the university presidents for overspending, in their words, and as a result of overspending, having to raise tuition rates. We have university presidents countering that the General Assembly and the governor do not fund higher education adequately, and that has forced their hand, that has forced them to raise tuition rates. So we have a very fierce political argument taking place among all of the players in higher education. The result is a stalemate over tuitions, uh, which continue to rise in South Carolina. Who is responsible for tuition being so high in South Carolina? That's the question, and there are varying accounts of that. I think the most fair-minded people suggest that there's plenty of blame to go around. Um, so I don't think we're having exactly the same debate, but there is a general concern about uh, you know the, the tuition rates in, in North Carolina. We've always been very proud of our uh, college system, university, university system, but uh, there was an interesting legislation uh, that the General Assembly passed that actually it's a pilot and it took uh, three universities and actually capped their tuition for in-state students at $500. Um, so it remains to be seen what's going to happen with that, but um, I think rising tuition rates are kind of a, a topic uh, uh, all around the country. Um, we, if I could just comment about that, sure. we have, our, our General Assembly has talked occasionally about capping tuition, about forcing the universities uh, to not raise tuition. Uh, ideally, they would like the universities to cut tuition, but at any rate, they have talked about capping tuition. So far, that hasn't happened, um, but if tuition keeps going up, that is a definite possibility, I'd say, in the future. Well, Paul, thanks so much for talking with me today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. We've been talking with Paul Hyde. He is an education writer for the Greenville News. And my name is Alex Granados. I'm senior reporter for Education NC. And you've been listening to Ed Talk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>